Mike Keenan Show. The stories behind the stories from the hockey world as witnessed firsthand by the man who was there serving as head coach for eight NHL teams, including the Philadelphia Flyers and Chicago Blackhawks in the Stanley Cup Finals and the New York Rangers as they captured the Cup and ended their 54-year drought. Add to this Iron Mike's time served as head coach in the KHL in Russia and China as well as winner of the Gagarin Cup. And you've got a perspective on the sport few others have. Coach Iron Mike is joined by Hockey Hall of Fame journalist, award-winning author and commentator Scott Morrison. Here they are, Iron Mike Keenan and Scott Morrison. Welcome to the show, everyone. On uh, Sunday, April 11th, uh, radio show number 13, podcast number 34, Masters Sunday. Always a <laughs> special weekend and a special day. Uh, a lot of TVs will be fired up uh, this afternoon. You can be sure of that. A lot of coaches getting a workout, uh, mine included, and uh, look forward to seeing how that plays out. And, uh, Mike, will you be watching? Absolutely. Uh, interesting to, to watch all this tournament or the Masters this year with uh, Dustin Johnson, the previous winner, not making the cut, some big names not making the cut. So, uh, yeah, I love watching the golf it's a, 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 a game of skill and also great mental discipline. So it's, for me, it's very interesting to watch them. Yeah, no, absolutely. And the just absolute picturesque. You talk about famous hockey rinks that we got used yeah. to over the year from the Montreal Forum to the Garden, Chicago Stadium, Boston Garden, Detroit Olympia. Uh, I'm missing one. The Madison Square Garden, of course. And then some of the newer ones that came on, and each one had a personality, but the Masters has a unique personality, Augusta National. No question about it. Uh, magical, I guess, is one way of describing it, uh, picturesque, uh, and the, the history there, 85 years now of the tournament. So uh, it's withstood the, 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 uh, the time and, and the element of change, certainly in the world, but uh, in the world of golf, the, the equipment and the players getting uh, bigger, stronger, and and more technical, and all their analysis of every shot and the greens readings, and and uh, the power that they have now, and the the, the, the their ability to, to hit the ball many more yards than their predecessors. So, uh, but it's a beautiful, beautiful, majestic place to play. And who knew when I was twenty two years old on my first road trip covering the NHL and I went out and bought a, a, a green blazer thinking that was stylish. I was just slightly ahead of my time. <laughs> well, at least you could buy one. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm sorry for the bad news, Scott, but you're not going to ever win one. <laughs> no, exactly. You got that right. <laughs> so a bunch of things to talk about today and some uh, great stories to share tomorrow, Monday. April 12th is the uh, NHL trade deadline, so we'll get to that in a second. A little bit of news and notes. Uh, congratulations in order to the US, UMass uh, Minutemen, who uh, had a 5 nothing victory last night over St. Cloud State to win their first uh, first ever rather national ice hockey championship at the Frozen Four, so congrats to them. And I think they battled some COVID issues earlier in the process in terms of players not being available then coming back. So uh, congratulations to UMass, uh, UMass rather, a huge tournament and a huge win. Well, it really is. I mean, it's really significant. And 
again, it speaks volume uh, of uh, what sport means to people in this troubled times, but uh, uh, also how it's so very difficult uh, in the environment we're in to, to actually have these games played and and uh, deal with all the issues that come with it. So it's uh, it must be special for them winning their first one in, under these conditions. Yeah, absolutely. Special first and special under the conditions. So uh, congratulations uh, to the Minutemen and uh, and to St. Cloud to get to the final. I mean, there's no there's disappointment, but no shame in being number two. And you were number two a number of times in Stanley Cup finals. Absolutely. It, it takes a, a great deal of uh, teamwork to get to the finals. And of course, uh, uh, I felt the disappointment three times prior to the, to the jubilation of winning in New York, both uh, uh, losses in Philadelphia and then the loss in, in Chicago before uh, I arrived and we won in New York. So I know both sides, Scott, and uh, I prefer the winning side. <laughs> yes, exactly. I don't think you get a green jacket, but it's a silver cup, which ain't too bad. Silver's not a bad color either. Exactly, exactly. Uh, some other news we talked about uh, last week in the previous weeks, uh, and, and good news, fingers crossed, uh, with the Vancouver Canucks, who had uh, 20 players plus coaches plus staff um, involved in the COVID protocol, some testing positive, some exposed, all degrees of uh, COVID-related uh, uh, incidents, and obviously the Canucks shut down seven games postponed off their schedule, but all things being equal, no surprises today, no setbacks today that their uh, practice facilities will be reopened and uh, they will start playing again on Friday, April 16th against Edmonton and uh, they will finish up their schedule. And here we go again, Mike, but uh, you got to do what you got to do. But to uh, make the schedule, the NHL has extended uh, that final week past where they would have normally started the playoffs under this abbreviated season. Uh, but regardless of that, the Canucks still going to have to play 19 games in 31 days. Staggering. Well, it's really a challenge uh, for the coaches and players uh, to be able to pull that off and Good for the league to give them a little bit more time. It was absolutely necessary. Uh, from a scheduling point of view, it's going to impact the entire Canadian division, uh, Northern division. And I think that uh, uh, it's going to be a very, very difficult process for the Vancouver Canucks to be, to be able to manage their games in that little time. Uh, um, it's like playoffs, Scott, though. Maybe maybe it's going to work out for them because you get that rhythm going and you're playing every other day at least. Uh, you get some momentum. If you get some wins, uh, it certainly can escalate in a positive sense or it can be very, very difficult and, and uh, it'll end uh, not so well for, for Vancouver. But uh, the good news is they're coming out of it, uh, which is a positive sign. Yeah, no, that's the, <clears throat> the the great news indeed. That uh, hopefully everyone's healthy, including families that were touched by this, as uh, as we know. Um, the question that's being asked by those on the periphery, meaning I guess social media, Twitter, and and whatnot, is Mike. Uh, like when you went through 
I think the the year the Rangers won the cup, you essentially played every second day. And now we're talking 19 games in 31 days. Normally, I guess if it was a tip, if it was a playoff, it would be 19 and 38. Um, at what point does it become too much and perhaps a little risky? Well, I, I can uh, reflect back in 1987 with the Philadelphia Flyers, Scott. We played 26 playoff games in 52 nights. That's what I was thinking of, yes. And, and we traveled across the country. As you know, uh, you start your own division, then you end up uh, in, in uh, the finals against Edmonton, so you're, cro- you're traveling across the country. And, and I can tell you uh, that group of players, uh, probably for both teams, but particularly our team because we played so many playoff games in such a condensed period of time, uh, they were just spent in every which way you could think of emotionally, mentally, physically, banged up, hurt. Uh, there is a, uh, becomes almost a point of, uh, uh liability that, uh, you, you know, they're playing fatigued and they're going to get hurt because they can't, uh, get themselves out of some difficult situations that would be described uh, as a little bit dangerous, uh, but, I think the NHL probably has spread it out a little bit more now in terms of playoffs, but it's going to be interesting to see how they set the playoffs up now in this shortened season, uh, whether they're going to be able to give them a little bit more space and rest. It was a point where it became a transition in terms of di- dictating the needs of, of television rather than the cadence. And I, I went through this also in, in uh, the KHL in Russia, they do have the same cadence uh, as the NHL when I started in, in the 80s of playing every other day. And uh, that's set in stone, and that's the way uh, they, they, they'll move the, the series at all. If the ser- series are finished early, they, they get rest. And if they go to the distance, they don't get rest, and, and it's preset already. So, um, again, it was interesting. When we won the Gagarin Cup, just as in the NHL, the first series, uh, you played, uh, you played back to back games, a day off and back to back games just to get rid of the first round quickly. NHL used to do the same thing. And then you went every other day. So, uh, it'll be, uh, it's taxing, Scott. It's really taxing for everyone involved. And, and that's what your life is just co- completely consumed with hockey and, and your ability to recover and your health and your mental health, your physical health, your emotional health, uh, just trying to maintain uh, some level of focus at the same time, uh, <laughs> be competitive. And uh, that's, to me, that's one of the uh, incredible, uh, I guess, explanations or feelings about those that have won the Stanley Cup, how difficult it is. It's incredibly difficult to, to sustain that kind of work ethic and commitment and competitiveness over a two month period of time, basically. So it's, it's, uh, kudos to anyone that does win. It's tough, tough trophy to win. I remember winning and when Mark Messier passed me the cup, that was already my fourth uh, time to the finals in nine years. I said, Man, this cup is tough to win. It's so tough. So you appreciate it even more after time has gone by. The weight isn't the t- the weight rather <laughs> isn't the 
actual weight of the cup. It's the weight of the burden of getting there to win it, really. It really is. I think it's, I think it weighs 36 pounds or something like that. It was, it's nothing. I remember lifting it up over my head. It was like a feather. But of course, yeah. you're so, uh, jacked with adrenaline at that point, uh, that, uh, that, that was the last thing on your mind, the weight of the cup. So. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you one thing though. <laughs> the Gagarin Cup way is heavy. It's a much bigger cup, and uh, it, it's pretty difficult for one guy to lift it up over his head. So, uh, magnificent trophy as well. So, just a couple more things on that on the playoffs, and they do have a deadline uh, because of television and NBC and the Summer Olympics. They have to be done at some point. I forget the actual date. Maybe the twenty third of of July um for that um and i guess the one thing and maybe more than ever but even back you know when you were with the flyers and and rangers and and throughout the course of time really um you don't win with 20 players you win with 25 30 players don't you absolutely uh we we had uh our complement of players in new york for example the rules have changed but we had uh five or six guys could play in any other team waiting in the wings. And we did have to use them. We had injuries. We had suspensions. Doug Litzer comes in. Uh, Bukaboon gets suspended. Eddie Olchuk comes in, plays a great game for us to, to move us past uh, Jersey in, in game six. Uh, uh, you know, we got Hudson Hartman. Uh, it goes on and on. And, Don't uh, forget our friend Kiprios. We'll Kip, get, we'll Kip, hear both Kip, Kip, but I was going to, you know, we got uh, – uh, Karpatsev, God bless his soul. And, and, uh, you know, uh, we had to have the depth at both defense, uh, and forwards. And, and fortunately, our, our goalie stayed healthy. So, uh, yeah, you need, uh, additional players now. And, and of course, uh, the teams now have been given a little bit more leniency in terms of using players over the, in this COVID time. So, that's going to help them a little bit. So one quick thought before you move on to the trade deadline and <clears throat> adding the kind of depth and uh, and maybe marquee players that uh, can uh, perhaps lead to a Stanley Cup. But you referenced uh, playoff schedules. What one did you like best every second day, back-to-backs early? What was best? Uh, well, first of all, you got accustomed to the back-to-back, or rather the, the every other day, back-to-backs were very difficult. And uh, I have to tell you that we flew for the back-to-backs in, in, the, in the KHL. The first four games were played in five days, and we traveled to the Sea of Japan, Vladivostok, from Magnitogorsk, which is in the Euro Mountains, so about an eight-hour flight. So we fly down there. We play, the two, we play two games at home to begin with, and then we fly down there. We won our two games at home split, and then come back and we, we beat them in five games, but talk about travel. And we never even changed our clocks. We just closed the curtains uh, off in, 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 in the, uh, in the hotel rooms to, uh, seem like you were sleeping in the middle of the night, playing at the, in the, at midnight rather than, uh, your time rather than the, the designated seven o'clock start, for example. So it was managing time zones and travel. And play, it was incredible experience. But, uh, uh, you know, I go back now to 94 and uh, people said that the, the extra day off was given to us for our advantage in New York 
before game seven. And it, it certainly helped us against the uh, extra rest preparation uh, time. Uh, oh, I, I, think, I think it did help us. So, Yeah, all the players that I've talked to said you don't win without that day. And it was just to get the mind in order, too, because you guys were staring down the, the curse of 1954 yeah. and uh, or 1940 rather and um 54 years and you know having been up in that series so anyway so i mentioned trade deadline tomorrow nhl so first as a manager how important is that day on your calendar well it's really important for all teams and uh, it it's, involves a lot of decision making whether you're a buyer you're a seller whether your team's in a position to take a run and, and have the depth to maybe win a Stanley Cup uh, or get in a position to get into the f uh, playoffs, uh, be a seller if you know, there's no chance you want a additional draft picks for the future. The other dynamics that comes involved uh, on a regular, an abnormal year is the number of teams that are willing to trade. Some years uh, there's a plethora of trades, other years there's not. And it depends on the dynamics of the general managers that are involved. Uh, some general managers, I can go back to uh, myself, uh, but uh, Phil Esposito loved to make trades. So you had a general manager who was always open to the idea and uh, really enjoyed making trades, and others were real stingy and, and had this idea that they would hardly ever make a trade. So... The dynamics of, of the gentlemen's themselves, the timing, uh, the positioning of the teams, um, and also now, which is especially different this year, uh, divisional, you're not seeing the other teams play. Kenny Holland, for example, the general manager out in Edmonton, uh, said this is the most unusual uh, year he, he's ever put in as a general manager, uh, not traveling across the border, only following his own team, not being able to go to Europe to watch other professional or possible uh, pro players, uh, not watching the juniors play in in the big tournaments. So it's it's really unusual year, and whether it'll be busy or not, I'm not sure because you haven't seen a lot of players this year, and and you see them on television, but it's it's uh, trust me, it's not the same as seeing them live. I, I was going to ask you that. What is the difference? Well, you you when you're watching on TV, the the TV cameras are following the puck primarily, and when you're watching it live and you're up in the stands and you're at a distance, you can see a lot of different uh, nuances about a player and about how they they're playing or how they mix into a, a particular style of game or what their positioning it looks like, uh, for example, defenseman or. Or, or anyone um, in the television is fo is following the puck uh, when when you're there scouting, you can see the value of, of the game being played with all all players on the ice, not just or focusing on one. For example, I can remember uh, I was following Igor Kravchuk as an example. He was playing for the Russian national team. I went to Europe, and he was undrafted captain, so we end up drafting. Him. I but I up in to, to the point where we were, I was following him. I was watching his every shift and what he did. I was totally isolated on one player. So that's an advantage 
that you have by seeing them live. The TV's not going to follow Igor Kratchek around the ice, for example, in every move that he makes. So that that's the difference, and, and that's a big difference. Okay. We're going to take a break, and uh, when we come back, we will talk about, uh, in more detail, one team that was very active at a trade deadline, incredibly so uh, at the time, or so many thought, uh, and went on to win a Stanley Cup. And so trade deadlines can make a difference in that regard. So uh, more about that and uh, major deals and uh, what we may see come Monday in the NHL when the Iron Mike Keenan show returns. Stories from the hockey world. Here's Coach Iron Mike Keenan and Hockey Hall of Fame journalist Scott Morrison. Welcome back to the show. One day before well, Master Sunday today, and one day before the NHL trade deadline on uh, Monday, April 12th. Congratulations again to the UMass Minutemen for their victory in the uh, Frozen Four final, first ever national ice hockey championship, and. Uh, and Mike, uh, trade deadline, we were just talking about how important a day that is on the calendar of general managers. And uh, you weren't the manager at the time, although you ultimately ended up having a lot of influence in uh, 1994, March of 1994. Uh, Neil Smith was the general manager and the, the New York Rangers, who were sitting in first place overall on trade deadline day, still went ahead and made massive changes over all quarter of their roster on that day. Ultimately won the Stanley Cup, but unheard of that that changes on a first-place team would happen. Well, it was really interesting uh, process because uh, <clears throat> we were doing well, as you know. You just uh, uh, alluded to the fact that we were in first place overall. We're going to win the President's Trophy, most likely. But my experience uh, up until then is was telling me uh, that we don't have we don't have the team to win the cup. Uh, I looked at New Jersey, and as it turned out, uh, it was a flip of a coin in terms of success or not against them. But uh, um, they were a big, big, strong team, and I had been to the Stanley Cup Finals as we've talked about before with Philadelphia twice and then Chicago. And I felt that we just didn't have the size, strength, depth, and experience that we would need to succeed in New York, the, the demands of the city, uh, expectations, uh, the size uh, of uh, the teams that we were going to face as strength. As it, it even turned out, uh, Vancouver was a big team too. So uh, I went to Neil, and, and Neil um, – was a little bit uh, nervous about it, and I really pushed the envelope. I remember being in Calgary with the coaches and Neil and and uh, Larry Plo was the assistant general manager, and I made my plea in a very aggressive way, uh, trying to convince them that we need to make these moves, and and if if we don't, we're not going to be. We're not, our, our objective was to win the cup. That was a, the focus right from day one. And uh, I concluded at that point that we're not ready or we're not going to be able to win the cup with this group. We need to make s some significant changes. And as you know, <laughs> we end up really adding one 
complete line that was so important to us, McTavish, Matoa, Noonan, alone, uh, you know, that that's huge in, in terms of completely changing out uh, a line out of your lineup. And then with the acquisition of Anderson, well, uh, we, we, and, and we got, you know, Tony, uh, Tony Amati was a big draft and Neil really liked Tony. I liked Tony. I, I was going to draft him when I was a general manager in Chicago, but I felt that we just didn't have the size on the walls and the experience, uh, and the toughness that we would need. And, and those, f- uh, four players, as I just mentioned, McTavish, Maton, Noonan, Anderson, all brought an edge to their game, to our team. And the other thing that was very important for the trying to explain it to our staff and how we would be able to integrate and bring everybody in was it was seamless because they were well-known by uh, Mato Noonan. I knew exceptionally well. Anderson, I coached in Canada Cup, and Mac T fit in with all the other players. So that made it unbelievably seamless in terms of of uh, fitting in with a group and, and developing the team dynamics. Well, and they all played major, major roles in, uh, in the Rangers winning that cup in 1994. And uh, one curse, I don't know if they're cursed now, but they haven't won a cup since. So there you go. So maybe they need a, another overhaul. But uh, we'll talk some more about trade deadlines and uh, interesting deals that you've been involved in when the Iron Mike Keenan show returns. Thanks for listening. This has been the Iron Mike Keenan Show, featuring Coach Iron Mike Keenan and Hockey Hall of Fame journalist Scott Morrison. Look for more of our podcasts online and listen every week for the stories behind the stories from the hockey world as witnessed firsthand by Iron Mike, Scott, and their guests. All preceding content is property of Keyway Worldwide Corporation and may not be duplicated, distributed, or sold without the express written permission of Keyway Worldwide Corporation. All rights reserved. Thanks for listening to the Iron Mike Keenan Show.